The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Ian Everdell from... Mediative. He's the manager of user experience and research over there. Uh, welcome, Ian. Hi, Tim. Nice to be here. Uh, well, you're not here. You're in Canada, eh? That's true. I am up in the Great White North, still wearing my parka and snowshoes. <laughs> Is that required attire all year round over there? Absolutely. Hey, we got to stay warm. Yeah. No, seriously. What part of Canada are you in? Um, I'm located just outside of Toronto. Well, beautiful city. Very modern. Very nice. Uh, in July. Yes, it's a great place. to. It's actually pretty nice right now. We're hitting the, the low 80s these days. So, Fantastic. Uh, well, Ian, the, the, you're going to be speaking at uh, the upcoming Conversion Conference in Chicago, and uh, very much looking forward to that. I, I, I noticed that we have a very similar background in neuroscience and computer science. Mine was in cognitive science and computer science. Uh, tell us what you do at Mediative. What does it mean to do user experience and research? Um, well, I do a lot of different stuff. Um, we have a research lab uh, that I'm in charge of. So we do um, your standard user experience testing. Um, we have eye tracking. That's a great tool for us. Um, lots of market research, survey-based stuff, qualitative interviews, um, and then lots of um, on the data side as well, uh, doing analysis from that standpoint to figure out really um, who our clients' customers are and how they buy. Okay, well, actually, let me take a step back. Uh, okay. tell, tell us quickly what Mediative is and the kind of clients you work with. What are they trying to accomplish? And let's see if we can kind of focus it a little on the online marketing side. Sure. Um, so we're a digital marketing company, and we provide um, two different things. We provide performance services, which is the side I'm on, so optimization for search, um, SEM, UX, uh, market research, that kind of stuff, and also access to media platforms. So we have a big um, advertising network across Canada, um, so we serve many of the large national advertisers in the country in terms of helping them um, get their presence online. Okay, and then just to uh, get, make everyone buzzword compliance, UX is user experience, <laughs> right? Yes. So tell us a little about kind of the the discipline of user experience and what it entails, and, and why we should care about it in the conversion world. So I I like to talk about user experience and not just usability because I really feel that you know it's 2012. Anybody can go out and buy or build a usable website. That's not to say that everybody does, but they can. So really the competitive differentiator now is the experience that you create around that online experience. So you want to make something that's fun. You want to make it desirable. You want to make people want to talk about it. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do with our clients is help them go beyond just having 
you know, a good information architecture or content that people can read into content that um, people find uh, valuable. They can answer the what's in it for me question. Um, and ultimately, we're driving not just the visitor's goals, but hopefully those link up with the business's goals in getting those additional conversions, whether that's lead gen or e-commerce or anything else like that. Okay, now you mentioned some of the, the tools in the bag of tricks. Uh, so let's go through those again and maybe flesh out a little more. Uh, you've talked about surveys, usability studies, eye tracking. Let's talk about kind of the pros and cons of what's in the toolbox and, and how, how you use them. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I love, love, love doing one-on-one classic usability testing where you sit down and watch someone else typically struggle through an interface. I, I think that there isn't much that compares with that um, in terms of the qualitative data you get and also the insight that your clients get when they get to watch that as well. The, the sort of aha moment when they go, oh, right, that really is bad. Yeah, maybe our users aren't the idiots. Maybe we are for designing it that way. Exactly. Um, the eye tracking is a great additional tool for us because uh, you know you get that really nice visualization of how people are interacting with your um, digital properties. Because we have an advertising network, you know we work with a lot of our publishers to uh, maximize their ad placements and that kind of thing. And the eye tracking is a great tool to say actually. Yes, you've put it here, but really nobody looks at it. Um, you know, we do lots of remote usability testing uh, using either WebEx to do the one-on-one stuff or tools like I love Verify and all of the little tests they have in there to do quick, uh, more quantitative usability testing. Right. Well, let, let's talk about the difference in with uh, between eye tracking and or this kind of talk out loud protocol because I, I was talking about this with. Mike Summers, and uh, who keynoted at one of the conversion conferences in the past, and Mike was basically saying, anytime you make somebody think and talk out loud, you get back a bunch of goobly gook nonsense because that's not what people are actually doing. If you just watch them do eye tracking, they behave very differently than when you ask them about it. Yeah, that that's totally true. It's the whole um, you know watch what they do, not what they say thing. Um, and certainly, when we're doing the eye tracking or the user experience testing. Um, you know, I, I don't typically do think aloud stuff very often because it affects the participants so much. I'd rather let them do their thing and then talk about it afterward. Okay. And, but how valuable is the talking about it afterwards? You mentioned getting insights and that as a being unparalleled source for you know, insights give, give me some examples of, uh, maybe a couple of quick examples of stuff you would have never thought of in a million years. Um, so we did a project for a car insurance company and we were testing their quoting tool. Um, and they thought it was the bee's knees that people could type in, you know, their social insurance number or something. And, uh, the DMV would spit back all of their, um, car information. But you could see from the reactions of participants during the, um, sessions that they were a little bit taken aback with that. And then following up on that afterward um, with the sort of discussion after they'd done the task, it came out that, you know, people aren't sure why they're giving their SIN, where this data is coming from, how it's being protected. And and certainly that's something that you could probably, um, A, figure out ahead of time that people might be a little bit worried about and B, infer from their reaction to it. But it's always good to hear 
you know, sort of what the the users' trepidations and stuff about that are as well. So we think we're being helpful with form fillers and uh, data completion and appends, and really it's kind of big brotherish and creepy. Sometimes, for sure. Okay, well, well very good. So um, what, what other tools would you say are kind of part of your daily toolbox? Um, Excel, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, nothing advanced, but uh, there's, you still have to slice and dice the data and keep track of stuff. Yeah, um, we do a fair amount of online survey work, um, so the more quantitative aspect of, of market research as well. Um, I don't enjoy that stuff nearly as much as actually interacting with people and watching them, uh, for lack of a better word, fail. But mm -hmm. we do do a lot of that as well. Okay, well, let's uh, we'll pick this up after the break. I want to come back to the more kind of quantitative tools. We've talked about just some qualitative ones now. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm. Moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And I'm talking uh, today with Ian from Mediative, and we're talking about various kinds of tools that can help you get insights on how to improve the user experience. So we've talked about qualitative tools. Let's talk about quantitative ones. You mentioned surveys before the break. Uh, tell us about 
how you typically structure a survey for clients? Sure. So actually, most of the time, our surveys start uh, on the qualitative side, and we do some initial interviews, um, face-to-face, one-on-one, get that qualitative data so that we can line up our questioning for the survey. But then we're looking um, at typically buying behavior stuff. So when somebody's going through a, a purchase process, whether it's for you know copy paper or $3 million worth of new servers for their company, what... Um, tools do they use when they're doing their research and purchasing? What information are they looking for? What are their emotional needs? Um, And how does that change over time? How does it change uh, with the number of people involved in the purchase, with the size of the purchase, with if they've done it before? Um, And we put that all into a survey uh, based on the qualitative data that we get um, and then send that out to um, a larger audience in our clients' sort of demographic to get the the quantitative backup behind that. So we can say not just, you know, we heard from our interviewees that they really like downloading product data sheets, but we also know that 80%, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, But we know that 80% of your user base statistically likes looking for that information as well. Okay, well, let's talk about it. So how do you design a good survey? What are some things to avoid maybe is the place to start in terms of how you ask questions and uh, you know, the length of the surveys, the format? Can you talk to that a little bit? Sure. I mean, obviously, you want to try and keep it as short as you can. Uh, it's not unlike a web form. People, uh, despite getting paid for them, often don't really enjoy filling them out. Um, so keep it as short as you can. Uh, you've got to pilot your questions to make sure that um, they're understandable and not just with you and your research team, but you know, go and ask your grandmother um, if she actually understands this question and what you're trying to get out of it. Um, and then the other big thing for us is monitoring it as you go along to make sure that there aren't um, you know, weird anomalies in the data or something. Uh, if you've got a question that has um, you know, a a list of things and then an other with a text box, you know, make sure you're not getting 90% people checking off other because then you're probably missing some options in your original list. Um, so that, that ongoing monitoring is really important for us as well. So, so would you actually change the survey in the middle of it because you notice some kind of data collection issues? Um, I have done it in the past. No. Okay. So that'd probably be an extreme thing because you, can't compare the beginning of the data collection period with what happened after the change, but yeah, I mean, typically least- our, our our survey partners are very good at um, doing pilot launches as well. So you'd send it out to ten percent of the overall sample and take a look at that data, and then make changes if you need to. So it's not like you've collected you know, ninety percent of the data and then make a change. So is it better in general to have? Uh, just something on scales, you know, agree, dis- strongly agree, disagree, or is it better to have more open-ended kind of questions with free-form input? Um, I really like doing both, um, and I know that sort of goes against my earlier comment about keeping it short, but, right. um, <laughs> you know, you get that uh, really nice, you know, sort of ordinal data from a scale um, that you can quantify and throw in front of a client and say, yes, you've improved from 4.6 to 5.3. Uh, but then that open-ended text, and um, actually the, the most effective way that we've found to present that is just to copy all of the answers, throw them into Wordle, and present them as a word cloud. Um, 
you get a really nice sort of visual representation of what people are actually saying about that particular question. So I, I do like doing both. Okay. Uh, and um, so the, the kinds of things that – what do you consider kind of statistically significant for surveys? How, how many answered surveys do you need before you think it's a valid one? Because, I mean, this comes up a lot. You know, it's just otherwise it just becomes this, you know, really weird seven people answered and, and two of them didn't like it uh, kind of stuff. Is that, that's obviously not statistically valid. Yeah, I mean, so typically, I mean, I come from an academic research background, so, you know, the sort of holy grail of statistical significance tends to be 95%. Um, that's typically what we go for in our research, which means, you know, if you look at the calculators, you need, it's something like 327 people. Um, we typically try to get about 300 per um, sort of demographic group or um qualifier in the survey uh, and that right. has given us really good data in the past okay and uh, this is something that uh, how do you actually get the people for the surveys i mean you're are you well you're driving into an online survey so you're collecting the information in real time right but yep. uh, how are you kind of getting your sample because a lot of folks are going to be wondering where do i find these people to survey so we use um, a sampling partner. Uh, the one that we work with the most is SSI. They have a research panel both in Canada and the U.S. and uh, around the world. They do the actual sort of survey hosting for us and all the recruitment and stuff as well. So they have a, a big panel that um, they can select from, and they have very good uh, coverage of hard-to-get jobs, descriptions, and that kind of thing too. All right, very good. Uh, well, let's talk about... Uh I know it was Steve Krug uh, also keynoted the last conversion conference. He's a big fan, obviously, of, of usability testing and uh, informal usability testing. How yeah. strict do usability tests have to be? Can you just kind of uh, do them quick and dirty, or are you, are you you're more of a fan of doing them formally? You can totally do both, um, and and I certainly like doing both. You know, there are definitely places for the more formal stuff, especially as you get into, um, you know, clients that have been around a little bit longer and maybe have come through the traditional marketing channels and have done focus groups and that sort of thing. They want to see people sitting in front of a computer with a moderator, um, doing prescribed tasks. Uh, but I certainly also love, you know, whether it's the other people in the office just saying, you know, Hey, can you take a quick look at this? Um, I mentioned earlier, I really like a tool called uh, Verify from Zurb. Uh, mm -hmm. They have seven or eight different uh, quick little online tests where you can upload a screenshot of you know, a sketch or a prototype or an actual website or a landing page and you know, ask people where they'd click or what they remember, so a little sort of five-second test. Or they can actually write annotations on the screenshot. Um, and that's a really good way to collect um, Again, not just sort of the qualitative feedback with the notes and stuff, but you can get that out to a couple hundred people relatively easily over Twitter and email and that kind of thing and, and get some quantitative data back fairly quickly um, and really use that early on in your design process to, to test whether it's that sketch or prototype before you're into you know, code and development environments and that sort of thing.
Well, so basically, it's uh, some, something that was well known in software development circles back in the days when both of us probably studied computer science. Although I'm sure you're a lot younger than me, is that it's always more expensive to correct mistakes once they've hit code. I mean, you know, you want to do things in the prototyping stage and uncover problems earlier because it's going to be ten, twenty, a hundred times more expensive once they've become code to modify them inside of your application. Yeah, and actually it's funny, I just found a quote um, yesterday from Frank Lloyd Wright that I printed out and put up on my wall this morning that's, um, you can use an eraser on a drafting table and a sledgehammer on a construction site. And I, I thought that was a really apt uh, <laughs> Perfect. quote for UX. Uh, that's right. So you know, the, a lot of times you hear, well, what's the business case for user experience? And uh, the business case is, a, yeah, yeah, you can, uh, once it's on stone tablets, it's a lot harder to... Uh, to get the commandments off of there. All right, well, we're going to take another short break. And after we come back, I want to understand uh, your obsession with shoes, something I don't get to say to guys very often. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Ian from Mediative. And this has been your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. More LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in just a moment. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try my SEO tool risk-free today. Go to myseotool.com. Myseotool.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its your virtual webmaster frat house. Webmasterradio.fm. Hey, bring your togas. Webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on Webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back, folks. This morning or this afternoon, depending on where you're listening in from, I am interviewing Ian Everdell from Mediative, 
a fine firm from the Toronto, Canada area, eh? Uh, that does all kinds of digital branding and user experience work and media buying. Uh, Ian, before the break, I mentioned your obsession with shoes. Like I said, I don't really usually hear that from guys much. Melda Marcos, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah. What's what's the deal? Come on. Well, it actually started with socks, uh, and I really got tired. (laughs) I know. It sounds It's a slippery slope, buddy. Watch out. It is. Yeah, um, footwear of all kinds. Uh, I, re- I got really tired of wearing black or white socks all the time, and you can't find anything else for gentlemen who maybe like a funner sock. Um, <laughs> so that that sort of then translated into shoes because uh, it's a little bit easier to find fun shoes. Um, you know, you go into Payless and it's all black, brown, or white. Um, but if you look a little bit harder, you can find some pretty neat things and. Um, I I think I wear pretty you know normal clothing, but the shoes jazz it up a bit. Um, and certainly, if you look at my current online avatar, one of the the perks um, that we got uh, early on in my career uh, at Mediative was um, if you'd been with the company long enough, you get a bobblehead of yourself. Uh-huh. Um, so I have a picture up of him right now, and we were having a team activity of of we bowling one day, and I couldn't make it, so I sent him in my stead. Uh, and I actually made him tiny little bowling shoes um, <laughs> that are orange and green. So, I, yeah, I, ha- I have a bit of a thing for fun shoes. Well, you know, I, I went uh, to a designer shoe warehouse here in San Diego and uh, got a really nice pair of these kind of Italian uh, casual uh, mocha brown shoes. But they had a – the middle of the sole was white and then the bottom was, again, kind of a mocha color. But, you know, I, I brought them home. My wife said – what are those? Why are you wearing bowling shoes? So I guess, I, I guess you know, Americans just don't understand. And I'll just have to stay with my European roots. Well, Gotta and I be. will qualify that my wife does approve all of my shoe purchases. So <laughs> I, I don't That's, go out and just buy them myself. Well, you're a smarter man than I am. All right. Well, back to the world of, of conversion and user experience. So how do you um, – balance this, you know, I've always said, you know, coming from a cognitive science soft background and a computer engineering hard background that that really to do internet marketing effectively, you need both. Um, where do you put the emphasis and and uh, how do you view that that remark I just made? Um, it, it's totally a combination of both. I think the biggest thing for me really is understanding your potential customer. And I know that's totally cliche and very um, inside the box for UX, uh, but but that's what it all comes down to. You have to get inside the head of the person who's potentially going to be buying from you. You have to know what they're looking for, where they're looking for, when they're looking for it, and why they're looking for it, and then figure out how to be there with the right message. Uh, and that's that's really what it comes down to. So it's whether it's writing you know good ad copy for SEM, if it's writing good meta descriptions for you know your organic search results, if it's writing good content, if it's writing a compelling landing page, uh, and you notice I've said writing all of those times, uh, but also you know picking good images and that kind of thing. It it comes back to sort of that psychological understanding of who's going to buy from you. Yeah, and so really it's walking a mile in their shoes and developing that sense of empathy or their understanding their particular twitches and quirks and and those of, of the industry that you're trying to help, right? Maybe that's why I like shoes so much. 
<laughs> uh, everything is unique in your world. I get that, yeah. Ian. Uh, so, so, so you're going to be speaking at uh, the upcoming Chicago Conversion Conference here on June 25th and 26th. Tell us about your session and what you'll be talking about. So I'm going to be talking uh, specifically about uh, differences in conversions between desktop, tablets, and mobile devices um, and how you know, having a tiny little screen affects um, how people convert in a bunch of different ways. So I'm looking at um, search, I'm looking at landing pages, I'm looking at email, I'm looking at forms, e-commerce checkout stuff. Um, and I'm going to have some uh, eye tracking data in there to sort of back up um, a lot of what we've been hearing about best practices. Um, I'm going to talk about you know some of the stats and crazy mobile gro- growth that we've been seeing the last couple of years uh, and tying that back into how um, businesses can now optimize their mobile presence for those conversions. Yeah, this is this has been a huge topic. It's been trending in interest uh, when we ask people about what they're interested about in the conversion world. And so you have this fracturing, this Tower of Babel with different operating systems and screen sizes and software capabilities. And um, it's, it's wild and woolly. And also just the mindset of the folks, of course, being uh, in real time and um, – very much task-oriented in the moment. Uh, the, I'm sure you'll get to all of that. We're very excited to have you speak. Uh, for those of you that aren't signed up yet, why not? Go to conversionconference.com and Webmaster Radio listeners, use the promo code WMFM for $100 off a of conversion conference. Spread the word. Uh, so, Ian, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or, or reach out, uh, what, how do they follow you? Um, how, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Oh, I am all over the place. I am I am ble- blessed with being the most popular Ian Everdell on Google. So you just have to Google me and you'll find me. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for me on Twitter, uh, Ian Everdell is my uh, handle there. Look for the uh, little bobblehead with the bowling shoes. Um, <laughs> you know, LinkedIn, fire me an email. Again, you can find me all over the web. So just Google me and uh, you'll get in touch with me somehow. Well, fantastic. Ian, we can't wait to uh, see you face-to-face in Chicago. And thanks again, listeners. You've wasted a perfectly good half hour listening to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Hope to hear see you back in a couple of weeks for another episode with my guest, Susan Weinshank. Uh, thanks again, Ian, and we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.